thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. All right, it's great to see all of you today. If you love Jesus, say I do. Amen. All right. Hey, uh, God's doing some great things. I loved uh, just what Pastor Kenny was sharing. Um, A part of our commitment as a church is to really put intentionality on the next generation. Um, When you look at statistics, basically, if uh, the the highest percentage of people that make a decision to follow Jesus, some say about 85% is before the age of 18. And so uh, we want to always be working diligently to help young people come to know Jesus. So let's just give a big hand to Pastor Kenny and all that he's doing. Thank you. Yeah, so good. And the team there. Hey, uh, we are um, also, uh, hey, we just had... uh, It's November, everybody. I don't know if you figured that out, but all of a sudden, it's starting to feel like winter, and um, I just want to give you a heads up a little bit early. Uh, This might feel a little bit early, but I want you to know we're going to have three services in this room on Christmas Eve, and the number one time that we have found that people are willing to come to church is both at Christmas and Easter. So we're a couple months out, but I'd love for you to start even praying, thinking about who you could invite uh, to come and be a part of one of those services on Christmas Eve, uh, December 24th. So uh, be thinking about that, pray about that, and then um, make that bold ask of that person and just invite them to come sit with you, and we'll have three great services on Christmas Eve. All right, if you have your Bibles, let's go Matthew chapter 5. We're in this series on the Beatitudes, and really we look at the Beatitudes as the preamble to the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus going internal before he talks a lot about the external. And so he's going after the attitudes of the heart. Um, And so if you have your Bibles, let's go there. Uh, Let me pray. And then we'll read. We're we're in Matthew chapter five, verse seven today. We're going to go after the merciful. Before I do that, hey, can you give a big hand to Pastor Nathan? Didn't he do a great job last week? So love you. So awesome. So incredible. Father, we love you today. And we thank you for what you're doing in our church. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the privilege of being disciples. God, we thank you that we do not have to live the rat race of trying to develop happiness the way that the world develops happiness. Jesus, we thank you that we can have divine contentment that comes from God. Happiness comes from God. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that we would see and hear the words of Jesus in Matthew 5 and that we would apply them to our lives. This idea, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We ask, Lord Jesus, that we would be the people that personify mercy like we see in Christ. We pray, Lord Jesus, help our church to embody that, both for the sake of others, but even for the sake of ourselves, even for the sake of us becoming, that we would be made happy by God, that we wouldn't look to the external, but that you would do it on the inside. We love you. We honor you. And everybody said amen. Amen. A number of years ago, a uh, song hit the top of the charts after Despicable Me, and the song was called, anybody remember, Happy, all right? And so it's... uh, Farrell Williams, I say it right. Um, and so it's that moment. Anybody, can you sing it? Because I'm happy. Feel like a room without a roof. Come on, thank you, Katie. Clap. Hey, hey, Katie didn't get to lead you this morning, but she's leading you now. Come on, Katie Reed. That's what I'm talking about. And uh, it, it, it was everywhere. It's, it's that song about happiness. Everybody's singing about happiness. Hit number one. Why? Because we have a desire to be happy right? Even when we read in the Declaration of Independence, 
It says this, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator, that would be God, with certain unalienable rights that among them are life, liberty, and here it is, the pursuit of happiness. This word blessed, it's blessed, it's happy, it's fortunate. The whole world wants to be happy. And Jesus is the one that tells us how. So there's a lot of different ways that people will pursue it. And yet, if we would just take what Jesus says, it's actually in the teaching of Jesus and what Jesus embodied that we can develop true happiness. So let that pursuit of happiness let you pursue Jesus. Let that pursuit of happiness be pursuing him and the way that he taught. And you'll be surprised how on the other side of following Jesus, I'm not saying that your circumstance gets better, but your internal gets better. So you live a different life. So here's Jesus in the first century, and he's talking in the midst of a culture where in the Roman occupation, and this would be so countercultural because all the people in the culture would say, oh, man, if you want happiness, happy are the rich, happy are the powerful, happy are the merciless, because Rome showed no mercy. Rome had zero mercy and killing and murder. Whoever was powerful was at the top. So Jesus looks at a crowd of people that would have felt that oppression. And he says, well, actually, happy are the humble or the meek. Happy are those who ache for God, thirst for righteousness. Happy or blessed or fortunate are those who actually show mercy instead of have no mercy. And so today I want us just to look at how do we develop this attribute of a disciple? So sometimes when we read these Beatitudes, it's easy for us to think, oh, if I'll do this, then I'll get this. But if you could think of it more like these are characteristics of a disciple. A disciple, poor in spirit. A disciple is meek. A, a disciple hungers and thirsts for righteousness. And if you could look at that today and say, okay, what does it look like for me as a disciple of Jesus to possess mercy? And of course, Jesus is our example of mercy. Jesus had mercy to be. Mercy is when you give to somebody, when you don't give to somebody what, what they deserve. Like, like it's easy for us to say, uh, if, if you deserve it, I'll give it to you. But mercy is, it's, you, you, it's not getting what, it's not getting it. It's over and over again, you find the mercy of God and Jesus shows it over and over again. It's that moment where Bartimaeus, he's out, I mean, outsider, blind, and he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus gives it to him. Jesus heals him. Jesus has mercy on the immoral. You remember the story in John 8 where there's the adulterous woman and Jesus shows mercy. Jesus shows mercy not just to the outs, like the, the, those who are physically born blind or would have been the outsider, but those who, who have broken the religious law. And even when you look at the thief on the cross who's broken the law and says, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today I tell you, you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus shows mercy to a thief. Surely we would look at that and we go, I don't know. I, I don't know if I, I, I want to show mercy to those people. I'll show, I'll show mercy to the people that will help me get ahead. But I, I don't want to necessarily show mercy to the sick or the blind. 
Traitors, man, they're, they're not worth my time. The lawbreakers, they get under my skin and they bug me. But here's our example of showing mercy. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one who shows mercy. So when we look to him, we understand what mercy looks like and Jesus demonstrates it. And so even in the middle of American culture, it's possible for you and me to live with mercy like Jesus, our example. And he says, happy are the merciful, blessed, fortunate. It's the Greek word makarios. It's this idea. It's, and it's not, it's not a happiness that's based on out, outward circumstance. It's this internal contentment. Have you ever met somebody that they just demonstrated happiness, life, apart from their circumstance? I have. I met some people that have followed Jesus long enough that they're going through some hard days and they don't tank. They have this happiness. They they could experience some financial loss and there's an internal contentment. They found happiness in humility instead of pride, in meekness. They have found happiness in really Christ-likeness, in attitudes, on on the inside. It's an an internal dynamic. And when we go ahead and we read, you know, the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, there's a whole lot of action. But right here at the beginning, Jesus is going inward and he's saying, here's the attitudes. You get these attitudes. And so this mercy, it'd be a great moment for us to say, who are the people in our culture and really in your life? So you could get specific where you think of people that you know at your work, in your class, on your streets. Who are the people that you could demonstrate mercy toward? Who could you show that loving kindness? Not because they deserve it, but because you're willing to give it. I was, uh, saw that there's this movie coming out. It's called Jesus Revolution. It comes out in February. Uh, I wasn't allowed to go to movies when I'm a kid, but now I'm preaching about them. But here we are. And so uh, I'm looking forward to going to it one day in February. Sorry, mom and down the front row. Mm, times have changed. What's up? Uh, we'll go together now. Anyway, um, sorry. Because I'm happy. Um, but it just looks to me like great. It's about a movie about how in the 1970s, a pastor showed mercy and kindness to the whole, the hippie group of kids that were just rebelling. And out of that, reformed the way he did church, invited the people that nobody was letting in, and they were barefoot, and they were living a whole different lifestyle, and the straight people in church didn't like them, wouldn't let them in. And he said, hey, as for this house, we're going to intentionally show mercy to them. We're going to show kindness to them, reframe the way that their church existed showed mercy, and it created a whole movement of young people that gave their lives to Jesus. I look forward to seeing it because it personifies, hey, I'm not going to get stuck in my ways and do things like I've always done. I'm going to look at other people, and I'm going to show mercy. They might not deserve it, but I'm ready to show it. I'm ready to demonstrate it. And what would it look like for us to demonstrate some of that today? I mean, it may have been great in 1970, but what does it look like today? I mean, 1972 is a long time ago. Let's go 30 years later, right now, right Right here, what could it look like in Kansas City if you and I say, who are the people that we could show mercy or kindness? This great phrase that David says. Uh, Sorry. We read King David. He says, who is it that I could show mercy to? It's a great story in the Old Testament about how he shows mercy to Mephibosheth, the grandson of Saul, the son of David. But I just like the question in Samuel where he's saying, in that first Samuel, second Samuel, where he's saying, who could I show mercy to? That's the question I want you to ask yourself. Who can I show mercy to? Not, 
Oh, even they're in my path and now I got to show forgiveness or not. But even who could I intentionally go show mercy to? Who are the ones that are broken? Mephibosheth was crippled and David's looking for a way to show mercy. So I, I don't know who that is in your life. I don't know who you could show mercy to. I don't know who are the people that bug you. I don't know who are the people that get under your skin. Who are the people you need to give a second chance to? Who are the people that are hurting around you? Who's the person that's unpopular? Who could you show mercy to? I was in the lobby last week as we were partying, celebrating our new building. I might just bring that up every Sunday. And, uh, but I just loved it last week, and I'm out there. I'm having a conversation, and I watched some people in the lobby, and some people in the lobby, or if, is that a lobby? Can you call it that? What, what would we call that space? That area right out there. Lobby, okay, great. I saw, I saw some people in the lobby, and, 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 and they had much to give. Like, they were, they, were, they were looking for the people that they could show mercy to. They were looking for the people that nobody was talking to, the people that were out there with their iced lattes, kind of looking for somebody. I saw other people that it was just like a high school cafeteria to them. Mm. Who do I know? Mm. Who's popular? Mm. Right? And I'm not bringing a rebuke. I'm just bringing an opportunity. When you're out there, when you've got these precious little minutes together, try to refill somebody else instead of just having everybody try to fill you. Look for, I'm so overflowing. I've been with God. That's Hebrews 4. You approach the throne of grace that you might find, what's that word? Mercy. Mercy there. So you've been much with God. And when you're much with God, you actually have much to give so you can pour out. So that lobby space, there's sometimes where you're broken and we need to be the body of Christ and, you're just, you, and somebody comes and they breathe life into you, great. But if you've been much with God and you've got something to give, don't look for a refill. Go out there and pour out. Look for that person that nobody's talking to. Look to the new person and let, I mean, somebody walks into Radiant Church and they're like, ay, 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 this is like favor all over the place. Because we got a bunch of people who've been much with God. They've been approaching the throne of grace that they might find mercy so that they can give mercy. So it flows through you. So then you walk out there and you're looking for the people. And I get it. I love, I like to connect with my friends. I get that. Me, same, same thing. I'm the same way. I'm not saying it's easy. All of us do it. But I've watched some out there that they're just like, literally, I mean, they'll just walk up to somebody and say, hey. That's your first time. Hey, David, are you really teaching everybody to be a greeter at church? Yes, I am. Is that really what's happening? Yes, I am. Why? Because we're just getting started. Because you guys are the core. No, no, no. I've only been here three times. This is a new church. You're the core. All right? Like, welcome. <laughs> so that when people come here, they just experience, wow, this, there is the, there is the work of God. How is it? It's through you. It's through you. Yeah, but I, they don't deserve it yet. I don't even know them. That's okay. You've been much with God, so you can show mercy. Let me give you some of the attributes of the unmerciful. Jesus tells a great story in Matthew 18. And I'm going to read the whole story here, so this is going to take just a minute. Verse 21, it says this, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement... A man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay it, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. 
At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and, and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe to me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that, all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back what he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of us unless you forgive your brother or sister from your hearts. <laughs> That's Jesus. I just want to invite you, just read, read Jesus. And let's just even look at what's our temptation. It's actually, it's actually our temptation to actually be the unmerciful servant. It's actually our bent. It takes supernatural work to show mercy to others. It takes God at work. Your own goodness, your own strength, you'll fall short. But God at work inside of you, and you can show mercy to others. First of all, I just want to see three things I see in this unmerciful servant. The unmerciful servant forgot that mercy had been the mercy that he had received, the mercy that had come from God. All of us do this. It's so easy to do this, especially when you think about mercy as salvation 20 years ago. But if you can think of the kindness, the mercy of God 20 years ago, when you gave your life to Jesus and that his mercy is new every morning and that he, what he's done recently and what God has done for you and who God is and the loving kindness, the mercy that he has showed to you. And I deserve this, but I got this. Then it empowers you to show mercy to others. C.S. Lewis said to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. Psalm 136, the way we started the service for those saints who are here, bless you. I thought maybe an extra hour, but hell, no, it's just us, just five of us. Just kidding. Ooh, that felt like shame. I'm sorry about that. We forgive me. I need mer have mercy on me. All right. <laughs> but Psalm 136, his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. And Psalm 136, just like a battering ram, is just saying, it doesn't quit. It's like an attribute of what God is. He is merciful. You could take it as, as even a characteristic, if you could take it as what he's like, his personality. God shows mercy, and he's shown it to you. He's shown it to me. A.W. Tozer said this, if we could remember that the divine mercy is not a temporary mood, but an attribute of God's eternal being, we would no longer fear that it will someday cease to be. Exodus 20, showing mercy to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. Ooh, a little spice on that. A little spice on obedience. Easy for us. To go, oh, I like all the things about mercy as long as you don't throw that obedience clause. I'm just, I want to invite you to just read what the scripture says. There's a lot to be said about that, that obedience part of our lives. First Peter 2 says this, 
But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I've received mercy, and that has changed my life and empowers all of us. We, we, we can show mercy. So if you feel like, I don't know, David, we talk about the mercy of God. I'm not sure that I resonate. Draw near to the throne of grace and find mercy. Draw near. And that amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. That will grow inside of you as you get close to God. You recognize how big he is, how broken, small, wicked, sinful you are and how he saved you. And instead of talking about yourself, you'll start to talk about the mercy and the kindness of the one who saved me. It becomes your story. It becomes your identity. It becomes more of who you are. Psalm 145a, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. That's just a fun one just to memorize. Do you know Nathan memorized that verse during worship? That was so impressive. Do you know that? I mean, I, I just can't tell you. I wish I could memorize like Nathan. Anyway, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. Just get that. One of the number one things the enemy will do will come and attack that reality in your brain. Hey, he, he's merciful to Pastor Nathan because now Pastor Nathan got it together, but not you. You're too messed up. You're too wicked. You're too broken. Oh, no. Imagine Jesus who personified what mercy looks like. And he looks at the adulterous woman. Where are your condemners? But he did say to her, go and sin no more. Just add that. Right? He did say, hey, take what I've given you and don't leverage it as a license to continue in your immoral life. No, take the mercy of God and let it set you free. So Ephesians 2, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. I just loved those phrases. I studied that this week, rich in mercy. Memorize that rich. I'm going to make you memorize everything. Rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. I just was just, I want to just double click rich in mercy. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. If I, could just, if I could just believe that, if we could just believe he is rich in mercy. My father, my God, he is showing mercy to a thousand generations. Let me approach the throne that I might find mercy. It's what he's like. It's who he is. He's rich in mercy. It's easy to take something that you believe that person is rich in, Right? I, I, I have no problem taking all of my father's books. He is rich in books. Right? My dad is not rich in tools. I would feel terrible taking his screwdriver because I don't even know if I could find one in his garage. But if I were to go to his garage and just, I have taken books you can find in my library. They say, Hal O.A. Perkins on property of Hal O.A. Perkins. I've never returned them. I didn't ask for them. I didn't ask if I could have them. I just know he is rich in books. He has more books than he could ever use. 
In fact, when we moved here, I had so many books and I had no money that we had three guys that I needed to help me move. And I said, hey, I don't have any money, but if you will help me move for three hours, I will give each of you 20 books. <laughs> Renata was grateful because she's like, there's two tensions in our marriage, seafood, which I like too much compared to her. And second, my books. They're just, I was, uh, for, for all these years, I was the director of the World Prayer Center and everybody who wrote a book on prayer sent a book to the director of the World Prayer Center. And so I got every week multiple like books on prayer. And I'm thankful, like seven steps of this, five steps of this, 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 this. But I had just loads of prayer books. I, and so I have all these books so I said to Josh and Isaiah and Matthew, I was like, hey, if you three guys will come on over and help me move for three hours, I'll give you 20 books. They're like, all right. I did not give them a dollar, but they both left with 20 books. I didn't care. Could, didn't even feel it. Didn't even notice it. Renato's girl. Why? Because I'm rich in books. <laughs> Great. Take as many as you want. Yeah. Don't take my tools. I only have two. <laughs> Don't take my money. I got none. But Books. I'm rich in books. Your father is rich in mercy. You approach him. He doesn't look at you and say, I'm done. You've asked too much. You've asked too many times. I'm tired of you. No, you approach the throne of grace. I approach the throne of grace and find mercy. You know how much fun it is to preach on the mercy of God? Because this becomes... Every, every believer, you just go, oh, I'm so grateful. God, you've been so good. Psalm 136. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. When does it run out? Never. Isn't that just good? It's not going to be done. There's no end date. There's no end of the season and you didn't make the playoffs. It's over. No, his mercy endures. Jeremiah 3:21. Then I recall, this is, uh, sorry, Lamentations 3.21. Jeremiah says this. Then I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. I just wanted you to get this. They're new every morning. There's some things that you like every morning. You like maybe your coffee. You like maybe to check your favorite website and the news. Guess what? Better than any of those is this. Every morning. Your mercy. This is my story, God. Brennan Manning, he said, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is your true self. Every other identity is an illusion. So who am I? I'm loved by God. His mercy is new every morning. That's my story. No, 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 no. Uh, you're a banker. No, no, no. You're a, you, you do this for a living. No, no, no. You live at this place. No, you drive this car. No, no, stop. Those are second tier stories about me. Let me tell you top tier story. I am redeemed and saved because of the great mercy of God. You get that living inside of you, that burns inside of you. That is the secret to being the one that's quickly able to just pour out mercy. Someone offends you, someone hurts you, someone's doing something wrong. You're just the one that goes, I've been given so much. Oh, the tragedy of the person that you see someone that's doing something wrong and you come and choke them. I mean, that's a violent statement about the unmerciful servant. 
I mean, that's, that's like rated R. He goes and he chokes him. But the unmerciful are violent. Some of us in our culture, we know that there's trouble if you're, if you're physically violent, but you're just fine to be verbally violent. But in God's eyes, verbal violence matters. So you're like, well, I didn't hurt anybody physically, but pa, 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 I'll, I'll ruin the reputation. I'll tell you what I think about you. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You who have received much. What's, what's, the, what's the mercy that God has given to you? What's the mercy that you could pour out for others because God, of God's great mercy to you? And then the unmerciful sermon was not only violent, but he held on. After, with, he held on to resentment. So even after that servant had said, hey, can you show mercy? He said, no. And he went and put him in prison. And he, he held on to that resentment. I think about 80% of people are consumed with hurt. And mercy is what we do. When we let people off, we absorb it, and we just say, I'm going to stop living in that resentment. I'm going to set them free. I love that song, Happy, that I started with. Um, you know who embodies this to me? My mom. My, actually, if you call my mom, you say, how you doing, mom? Here's what she says, happy. And, and you know, like when I think about my life, I, I'm around a lot of people and you go, let's get down to the core. Let's have real conversations. And, and, and a lot of people, they'll bring up the people that they're mad at, the people that hurt them, the people they have resentment towards. I've never heard my mom do that. It's just, I don't have time for that. I, I'm not holding on to that. Now, I'm, I'm, I can think back and I could, probably, I could probably build a list of people that I'd like to go attack for my mom from my childhood. I got specific names that I'm not going to say right here because let's go on the internet, but, <laughs> but I'd be willing to go you know, pull out a verbal sword and say, how dare you, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, but she never did. So I just want you to know that, like it's possible. This isn't just pie in the sky theoretical. Man, there's, there's transformation that can take place where you can have a, a, a happiness that's not based on circumstance. A happiness that it's, it's Christ. It's attributes of a disciple. It's what God's done inside of you. So how do I get there? Number one, pray for mercy. God, help me. Show me your mercy and help me have mercy to others. Matthew Henry said, prayer is the midwife of mercy. So get in that place of prayer. What could that look like? Lots of different things. I like the Hebrews 4. There's a great moment in Luke 18 where Jesus tells about the Pharisee who says, I think, I'm glad I'm not like that guy, but how God likes the prayer of the man who's broken, the tax collector that just says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That, that old school sounds kind of Southern when he said, Lord, have mercy. Let that not just be some kind of slang that you use. Let that be a confession. Oh God, have mercy on me. It's a great way to start and let me show mercy to others. And you'll be surprised. That resentment that you hold, that way that you're my, you know, I might, might not be physically choking somebody, but you've got violence in your heart and you, you refuse to let go of it. You'd be surprised how as that begins to dissipate and go away, how your happiness starts to erupt. You start to live like a disciple. You start to pour out mercy because you've received mercy. 
Second one is this, aim for obedience. I know people don't like the word obedience, but let me just tell you, obedience is your friend. Obedience to God is your friend. So I've received much mercy, and now, that's why, I mean, in mercy, because the mercy of God, let us offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That's why Paul says it. In, In view of his great mercy, let us offer our bodies as living, holy sacrifice. I'm just telling you, you start to offer your lives as a sacrifice because you've received great mercy to where you want to be obedient. Not where you just receive much and then fake it, but no, God, help me to actually be obedient and live it. If you were to take a guy and, and a guy was to just jump in a river and you were to rescue him and he was to and it costs you to jump in the river and help him out. And it's ice cold river. And the guy jumps in the river again. And you jump in and you help him again. And then he jumps in the river again. At some point, you start, you start to be like, bro, stay out of the river. <laughs> Listen, as you mature, there's a moment where you go, I don't want to jump in the river of sin anymore. I got a vision for obedience. That's what Jesus said in John 8. Hey, where are your accusers? Now go and sin no more. Get this vision that my actions line up with my words. My dad used to tell a story about how uh, he had three five-year-old triplets. And uh, when he would come home, he would look at David, Dana, and Deborah and say, go clean your room. And he had three different responses from three different triplets. Dana, who they called Dana Angel because she's nearly perfect. Um, Deborah and I got pain there. Just kidding. Uh, No, we don't really. It's just a joke, dad. Uh, But Dana would look back at dad when he'd say, clean your room. And Dana would say, she would start to cry. Like, oh no, I've let dad down. My room's not already clean. (laughs) She would just cry. And then Deborah would look back at dad and she would get angry. How dare you tell me what to do? So Dana's up cleaning her room, crying. Deborah's up cleaning her room, mad at dad. And then his son, whom he loves, with whom he's well pleased. would look back at dad and say, sure, dad, I'd be happy to, but never clean his room. (laughs) 40 years later, that's still my temptation. Hey, praise is awesome, great, but it's actually down in the details, in the little things, not just, sure, God, I'll be happy to. Yeah, but no, because of your great mercy, I could demonstrate mercy. And that shows up in my attitude on Facebook. That shows up on my attitude when I'm driving in the car and somebody cuts me off. That shows up in my attitude on how I treat my coworkers. Will I show mercy? It's your attitude. What's going on on the inside? My mom told me this story about how she, uh, when they were leading a small group, they were pastored in New Jersey, and she said, hey, everybody, it's week two of our study of the Beatitudes. And a lady said, oh, Debbie, can you give a review of last week? I missed the A-attitudes. <laughs> so anyway, it's, it's <laughs> Here, here's what I want you to get, that there's this real response. Number one, pray. God, two, obey. Just, just have that vision. Just out of the loving kindness of God, you've got a vision to obey so that then you can pass it on. And the servant that goes, no, I have received. I can forgive 70 times seven. I can love. I can show kindness. I can show mercy to people that do not deserve it. And you don't give it to them because they deserve it, but because God has given it to you so it can flow through you to others. That's the mark of a disciple.
That's the mark of what it looks like to follow Jesus. It's an attribute. Pass it on to others. Will you stand with me? I just want to close with this one statement by Timothy. He says this. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Here's a man who says, I was violent. I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. And Jesus showed mercy to me. And I don't know what your story is today. I don't know if you're violent, God-hater, blasphemer. I don't care where you see yourself on a spectrum. The good news is, is that the same mercy that was available to Paul, same mercy is available to you. And so that song, I deserve death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So today you can approach the throne of grace and find mercy. Find a kindness that you don't deserve. It's because of him. If today you want to make a decision, I want to receive mercy from God and find new life in Christ. I'm going to give you that opportunity to just make that decision as a follower. Jesus, we just bow your heads, everybody in the room. Father, we come before you today. We ask, Jesus, be at work in our lives. Every single one of us need mercy. Every single one of us want to be people that pour out mercy. Come. Today, if you want to begin a journey as a follower of Jesus, would you just look to him and say, Jesus, I give you my life. Make me a new person. Change me. I choose to follow you. If you're a person in this room today and you've got grudges, you might not be physically violent, but you've got violence in your heart and you're holding on. We just say, God, pour out your mercy. Let me receive it that I might show it. Take a moment, even name the person that you have put into your own prison in your head. You've canceled them. You've got violence in your heart towards them. Say, God, help me have your mercy towards that person. Change me. Jesus, we love you. It is a, it's the greatest thrill to be disciples of Jesus. Help us to live this. Help us to have a place where we get to seek, worship, know, and really follow Jesus. We as a church, whether we're just beginning the journey as followers or whether we've been following you for decades, we give you our lives. We honor you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite the ushers to come forward. and uh, I'd also like to invite the prayer team to come forward. And this morning, if you would like prayer for any reason, I think one of the best ones is if you know in your heart somebody that you need to show mercy to, and even when I say it, you're kind of like, ooh, 
I don't want to do that. Take just a moment. Let one of these intercessors pray with you. You don't even have to say the person's name. You could just say, I I can't forgive that person. They hurt me too much. Just remember Jesus on a cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. No matter what you're going through, Jesus can give you the strength to forgive. Jesus can give you the strength to show mercy on others. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the blessing of living in this great city of Kansas City. We thank you for the opportunity to reach the next generation. We thank you for the opportunity to be disciples. And now, God, would you take what we give and use it, Lord God, to make a difference. God, we give cheerfully. We give gladly. We love to be the people of God. We want to be generous. We pray that generosity would mark this house. Lord God, that we could be generous, that we could send, we could send young adults to churches all across America, and we could see a little youth revival take place. And God, we pray, Lord, that we would be the hands and feet of Jesus here in Kansas City. Help the hurting, help, help the broken, help the hungry, help those who need food. God, we ask, use us. Use us as a people to take the gospel to unreached people around the world. God, use just our, our church here in Kansas City, just getting started to make a difference. We love you. We worship you. And we give gladly. In Jesus' name.